Good morning, everybody. It's such a pleasure to be back here to see all of you again. So this sermon I'm going to share with you today, I had shared with the youth at my church in New Jersey last Friday night. And as I was sharing it, one of the young people said, is this a sermon? So I guess more preaching than actual Bible study. So anyways, she said that it should be a sermon, so I decided to share it with you today. But before we go any further, let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Father in heaven, I thank you so much for bringing us all here. I thank you for your truth and your love. I thank you uh, just for everything that you do for us, Lord. And I ask that you please guide me now with the Holy Spirit. Please uh, let this not be my message, but your message, and use me as your mouthpiece now. I ask in Jesus' name, amen. So, let's turn in our hymnals to a special hymn. I'm not going to sing it, so don't worry. It's 441. I saw one weary. This hymn was penned by Annie Smith. She was during the uh, Adventist movement. And what's interesting about this particular hymn is that she wrote each stanza for a specific person. So the first one was for Joseph Bates. He was an, a, a, a preacher through the Millerite movement who accepted the Seventh-day Adventist message, accepted the Sabbath truth, and he did an evangelistic series where Annie Smith was baptized. So the first stanza was written for Joseph Bates, the second for James White, and the third for J. and N. Andrews, who was the first missionary for the Adventist church. I'd like to read through the through each one of these. The first stanza. I saw one weary, sad and torn, with eager steps press on the way, who long the hallowed cross had borne, still looking for the promised day. While many a line of grief and care upon his brow was, upon his brow was furrowed there. I asked what buoyed his spirits up. Oh, this, said he, the blessed hope. Second stanza. And one I saw with sword and shield who boldly braved the world's cold frown and fought unyielding on the field to win an everlasting crown. Though worn with toil, oppressed by foes, no murmur from his heart arose. (coughs) Excuse me. I asked what buoyed his spirits up. Oh, this said he, the blessed hope. And there was one who left behind the cherished friends of early years, and honor, pleasure, wealth resigned to tread the path bedewed with tears. Through trials deep and conflicts sore, yet still a smile of joy he wore. I asked what buoyed his spirits up. Oh, this, said he, the blessed hope. While pilgrims here we journey on in this dark veil of sin and gloom, Through tribulation, hate, and scorn, or through the portals of the tomb, 
Till our returning king shall come to take his exiled captives home. Oh, what can buoy the spirits up? Tis this alone, the blessed hope. Beautiful hymn. So today's message is entitled, Hold On. The Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23, Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for He is faithful that promised. Isaac had two children, twins, Esau and Jacob. Esau was the firstborn. Normally the firstborn would be the one who would get the first inheritance. And then Jacob followed. But the prophecy was given that the second would rule over the first. How God was going to do that was a mystery. When Jacob started to get older, he didn't have that confidence in God. And his mother was afraid that his older brother Esau was going to get what was rightfully going to belong to Jacob. So through deceit and unfaithfulness, Jacob literally stole the blessing from his older brother. If he would have trusted in God, he would have escaped a long life of trials and tribulations. But because of unfaithfulness, he had done wrong to not only his brother, his father, and to God. And he was cast out of his homeland and lived in a faraway land for 20 years. While he was returning back to his homeland, his brother was coming to meet him. And Jacob was worried because of the sin that he had committed 20 years prior. Was he forgiven? Was his brother coming to destroy him and his family? The struggle was going on. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 32. Genesis 32, starting at verse 24. And Jacob was left alone, and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh, and the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, Let me go, for the day breaketh. And he said, I will not let thee go, except thou bless me. And he said unto him, What is thy name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, Thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince hast thou power with God and with men, and hast prevailed. And Jacob asked him and said, Tell me, I pray thee, thy name. And he said, Wherefore is it that thou dost ask after my name? And he bestowed, uh, blessed him there. And Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. They call this the time of Jacob's trouble. Jacob was wrestling with God. Was God going to forgive him? Was he going to allow Esau to come and destroy him? 
for the sin that he had committed a long time ago. What was Jacob's reaction to this? I will not let thee go except thou bless me. We need to keep in mind all of the time that we need to hold on, no matter what. There will be times where we feel like we are so far away from God. And the enemy is going to be closer to us than ever, whispering in our ear, just give up. But like Jacob, how he wrestled with the Lord throughout the night, and struggling with him and with his sins, he held on and said, he will not let go except you bless me. So should it be with us when we struggle. We do not let go of the Lord except until He blesses us. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 3. Actually, I have it up here. Matthew chapter 3, verse 16. When He had been baptized, Jesus came immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to Him, and He saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon Him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Shortly after, while this was the anointing of Jesus starting his ministry, notice it was a public setting. Everybody had seen the dove come down, which was the Holy Spirit anointing Jesus. Not only that, but a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. In other words, the Father is telling His Son Jesus, You're my Son, I'm pleased with you. Right? Shortly after this, uh, chapter 4, verse 1, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when He had fasted forty days and forty nights... Afterward, he was hungry. Now when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. A couple things we need to notice here. One, right after this experience, when Jesus gets baptized, he goes into the wilderness and fasts for 40 days and 40 nights. When he is physically weak, that is when the enemy comes in and tempts him. What does he tempt him with? If you are the Son of God, turn these stones into bread. So what is he trying to do? He's trying to take away that blessing and that confidence that he is the Son of God. He's trying to sow doubt. Forty days prior, Jesus himself heard his father tell him, You are my son. And I am pleased with you. Forty days later, what does the enemy do? If you are the son. So what is he trying to get him to do? So doubt and make him feel like he's not really the son of God. He's not really here for a purpose. And notice how he does it when he is physically weakest. Jesus, in return, answers him with scripture. The devil comes at him two more times. Jesus prevails. But even the Son of God had to go through a time of struggle. If you remember, before he went to the cross, he was in the garden praying, right? He's saying, if it is possible, 
take this cup from me. But not my will, but yours be done. Jesus struggled up until the point of death. And he felt the separation that sin has uh, the effect of separating us from God. But he did not give up. Second Chronicles 32 and verse 31. However, regarding the ambassadors of the princes of Babylon, whom they sent to him to inquire about the wonder that was done in the land, God withdrew from him in order to test him that he might know all that was in his heart. This verse is specifically talking about King Hezekiah. And we're going to go into that a little bit later. But King Hezekiah was a good king. The point of this verse I want to bring out is that last line. God withdrew from him in order to test him that he might know all that was in his heart. Sometimes God takes a step back to see what we're going to do. He's given us all the guidance that we needed. We know the verses. We know the experience that we have went through. Sometimes he steps back when we come to a crossroads to see what we're going to do next. Are we going to continue to stay faithful even though we do not immediately have our prayers answered? Are we going to stay faithful even though we feel like God is not with us? Turn with me to John chapter 15. John chapter 15 and verse 20. Jesus is saying here, Remember the word that I said unto you. The servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my saying, they will keep yours also. Now, this is not one of the best promises that Jesus has given us, but it is a promise saying, if they have persecuted me and hated me, and you claim to be my follower, how do you think they're going to treat you? The same, right? The point being is we're going to see trials. We're going to see tribulations. It is a God-given promise that we're going to go through that. There's purposes for it. But God is pretty much warning us we are going to go through some things. Once we claim to be a follower of God, the road's going to get a little bumpy. Sometimes it's going to get very bumpy. If you remember the testimony of Job, and what happened with Job? Satan went up to heaven, and God was pretty much telling Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? How he is perfect in all of his ways. What did Satan do? Ah, Job is just faithful because you're blessing him so much. Take away all that he has, and we'll see how he's going to curse you to your face. So what did God do? He said, Okay. You could take it away, spare his life. So what did God do there? Took a step back, 
And he allows the tempter to do his evil work. Why? We have to keep in mind that this is not just about us. There's more going on behind the scenes than we really know about. What happens to us and how we react is a witness to everybody around us. So if we go through trials and tribulations with a smile on our face, people are going to be wondering, what in the world is going on with this person? They should be cursing God up and down, giving up their faith, but they haven't. So sometimes when we go through some things, maybe our name had come up in heaven. Maybe it was time for Tony to go through some things. Satan comes to God and God says, Satan, have you considered my servant Tony, how he is good and upright in his ways? Satan says, nah, Tony just worships you because you bless him so much. Say, okay. You know, go ahead and do whatever you want to do. So God takes a step back. Tony goes through some trials and tribulations, stays faithful. Satan's even more aggravated because he couldn't get me to fall. And what is God? He's happy. Why? Because he's proving his His point is, there is going to be people who are going to follow me and love me no matter what happens to them. James chapter 1, starting at verse 2. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Notice that first line says, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. So, when we're going through some stuff, we should be happy. Why? Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Do we need to be patient? Absolutely. So, the purposes of these trials and tribulations is to refine the character. To make us more and more like Jesus. Romans chapter 5, starting at verse 3. And not only so, not only that, but we also glory in tribulations. Knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance character, and character hope. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. So, now, Paul supporting the writings of James, or James supporting the writings of Paul, however you want to look at it. I don't know who wrote what first. Either way, they're telling you the same thing. Be happy when you're going through some stuff. There's a reason behind it. Paul goes a little bit more in depth, in depth knowing that tribulation produces perseverance. And perseverance, character. And character, hope. If we don't go through stuff now, 
and then all of a sudden we get hit, we get blindsided by something, and we never went through anything before, we're just going to fold like a cheap suit. No character, no patience, no hope. So God allows us to go through these little stumbling blocks from here and there to build us up and strengthen us spiritually, to strengthen our faith. So when we do get blindsided, we don't just turn our back on God. In Revelation chapter 4, verse 12, it says, Here is the patience of the saints. Here are those who keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. Now, that word patience can also uh, be interchangeable with endurance. So it says, here is the endurance of the saints. Here are those who keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. Why are they able to endure? It is because they've already had their faith tested over and over again. And they did not fall. So when the times get really bad, they stay faithful. They keep the commandments of God, even though they are persecuted. Even though they may be put in prison. Even though they may be threatened with death. They do not turn their back on God. And what else? They have the faith of Jesus. Was Jesus faithful? Did Jesus go through trials and tribulations? So how much more do we need to go through these things? Now I'm not saying to go out and look for trouble. That's not the purpose of the sermon. But when trouble finds us, there's a reason behind it. We don't just start cursing God because some bad things started happening. We start thanking God and we start looking into, okay, what do I take from this situation? What do I need to learn from this? Do I need to be more patient in how I deal with people? Do I need to be more loving? Do I need to be more kind? Turn with me in your Bibles to 2 Kings chapter 20. Now we're going to look at Hezekiah. Second Kings chapter 20, starting at verse 1. In those days was Hezekiah sick unto death. And the prophet Isaiah, the son of Amos, came to him and said unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Set thine house in order, for thou shalt die and not live. Then he turned his face to the wall and prayed unto the Lord, saying, I beseech thee, O Lord, remember now, remember now how I have walked before thee in truth and with a perfect heart, and have, and have done that which is good in thy sight. And Hezekiah wept sore. So Hezekiah is sick. He's ready to die. Isaiah comes to him and says, Get your house in order because you're going to die. Now, like I said before, Hezekiah was a good king. He was faithful to the Lord, and he did what was right. So he turns to the wall, he starts praying, and says, Lord, please remember me. Remember that I did what was right for you. Verse 4. 
And it came to pass, before Isaiah was gone out into the middle court, that the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Turn again and tell Hezekiah, the captain of my people, Thus saith the Lord, the God of David thy father, I have heard thy prayer, I have seen thy tears, behold, I will heal thee. On the third day thou shalt go up unto the house of the Lord. And I will add unto thy days fifteen years, and I will deliver thee and this, out, and this city out of the hand of the king of Assyria, and I will defend this city for mine own sake and for my servant David's sake. And Isaiah said, Take a lump of figs, and they took and laid it on the boil, and he recovered. So, praise the Lord. God heard and answered Hezekiah's prayer before Isaiah, Hezekiah's prayer before Isaiah even left the building. So before Isaiah could even leave, the Lord tells him, Alright, I heard his prayer, go back to him, tell him that he's going to live. He has 15 more years. Praise the Lord. Now, verse 8. And Hezekiah said unto Isaiah, What shall be the sign that the Lord will heal me? And that I shall go up into the house of the Lord the third day. And Isaiah said, This sign shalt thou have of the Lord, that the Lord will do the thing that he hath spoken. Shall the shadow go forward ten degrees, or go back ten degrees? And Hezekiah answered, It is a light thing for the shadow to go down ten degrees. Nay, but let the shadow return backward ten degrees. And Isaiah the prophet cried unto the Lord, and he brought the shadow ten degrees backward, by which it had gone down in the dial of Ahaz. So Hezekiah is looking for a sign that this healing is from God. And Isaiah gives him two options. I can make the sun go down ten degrees, or I can make it go back up ten degrees. And I don't know what Hezekiah is thinking. He's saying, well, it's an easy thing for it to go forward 10 degrees. Bring it back 10 degrees. I think either way it would have been a miracle. But he wanted it to go back. So Isaiah's like, okay, it'll go back 10 degrees. So God moves the sun back 10 degrees. Now this is particularly important because of what's going to happen next in the story. Go with me to verse 12. At that time, Berodach Baladin, the son of Baladin, king of Babylon, sent letters and present a letter unto Hezekiah, for he had heard that Hezekiah had been sick. And Hezekiah hearkened unto them. Well, let me stop there. So, the Babylonians used to study the atmosphere. They studied the stars and the moon, and particularly the sun. They noticed that the sun moved back 10 degrees. So they sent letters to Hezekiah inquiring of what happened. So then Hezekiah invites them to come to his kingdom. Keep your finger there. Actually, yes, right up here. Okay. I read this verse before, but this is the context of the verse. However, regarding the ambassadors of the princes of Babylon, 
whom they sent to him to inquire about the wonder that was done in the land, speaking of the sun going back 10 degrees, God withdrew from him in order to test him that he might know all that was in his heart. So now the ambassador's coming to meet Hezekiah. And God steps back to see how Hezekiah is going to react. Let's read in verse 12. At that time, yeah, I'm not going to read those again. King of Babylon sent letters and a present unto Hezekiah, for he had heard that Hezekiah had been sick. And Hezekiah hearkened unto them and showed them all the house of his precious things, the silver and the gold and the spices and the precious ointment and all the house of his armor and all that was found in his treasures. There was nothing in his house nor in all his dominion that Hezekiah showed them not. Then came Isaiah the prophet unto king Hezekiah and said unto him, What said these men, and from whence came they unto thee? And Hezekiah said, They are come from a far country, even from Babylon. And he said, What have they seen in thine house? And Hezekiah answered, All the things that are in mine house have they seen. There is nothing among my treasures that I have not shown them. And and Isaiah said unto Hezekiah, Hear the word of the Lord. Behold, the days come that all that is in thine house and that which thy fathers have laid up in store unto this day shall be carried into Babylon. Nothing shall be left, saith the Lord. Now, Hezekiah was just blessed with 15 more years of life. These heathen people who do not know the living and true God inquire about what had happened. And God steps back to see what Hezekiah is going to do. So in a time of prosperity, as well as in times of trials, God takes a step back to see how we're going to react. Hezekiah had a tremendous opportunity to witness to these people. He did not tell them God delivered them from the Assyrians. He did not tell them God provided all of these riches. He did not tell them God is the one who moved the sun back. He did not tell them that God had healed them and given him 15 more years. What did he do? He showed them his riches. His pride was lifted up. Look at all I have and how wealthy we are. So what would you think the Babylonians are going to think? Oh, yeah, that's nice. Got all that gold just sitting there? Maybe we'll come back. They had no idea who God was. That wasn't the purpose that Hezekiah was putting across. So because Hezekiah had squandered that opportunity... God had condemned them saying, everything that you show them is going to be taken from you now. In other words, your pride is going to be removed from you. So even in times of prosperity, we need to hold on to our faith. 
just as much as we need to hold on onto our faith in times of trials and tribulations. Each opportunity is a witnessing opportunity. Are we staying faithful to God? Speaking back of that time of Jacob's wrestling overnight with the angel, the closer we get to the end of time, the worse things are going to get. The more people are going, the more people who are not following God are going to hate those who are following God. The more they're going to want to persecute us. So, this example in the Old Testament of Jacob wrestling is an example of how we are going to need to wrestle against the principalities of this world. Are we going to hold on when things get hard? When things start getting tough, are we going to hold on to our faith or are we going to give it up to escape persecution? I want to read this quote from Patriarchs and Prophets. It says, Such, this is speaking of Jacob's night of wrestling. Such will be the experience of God's people in their final struggle with the powers of evil. God will test their faith, their perseverance, their confidence in his power to deliver them. Satan will endeavor to terrify them with the thought that their cases are hopeless, that their sins have been too great to receive pardon. They will have a deep sense of their shortcomings, and as they review their lives, their hopes will sink. But remembering the greatness of God's mercy and their own sincere repentance, they will plead his promises made through Christ to helpless repenting sinners. Their faith will not fail because their prayers are not, are not immediately answered. They will lay hold of the strength of God as Jacob laid hold of the angel and the language of their souls will be, I will not let thee go except thou bless me. There are spiritual applications to every single story that is in the Bible. This one little story in the Old Testament is a very important one to those who are living closer to the end of of time. We need to hold on, even though our prayers are not immediately answered. Even though it feels like it's hopeless. We are going to remember God is merciful. He is faithful to forgive us of our sins if we ask for it. So just like how Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, he remembered he is the Son of God, even though the enemy was trying to get him to doubt that. So we will, so we will do the same. We will remember and hold on to those promises, no matter how bad it gets. Looking forward to that blessed hope that Christ has promised that he will return to redeem his children again. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father in heaven, I thank you so much for these stories in the Bible to inspire us and to give us uh, something to look forward to, these promises you have given us, Lord, that we could hold on to forever because you are faithful and you promised them. I thank you so much for all that you do for us. I ask for your will to be done. I ask that you may continue to bless us the rest of this Sabbath day and continue to guide us through the upcoming week. I ask for your will to be done 
help us to stay strong no matter what. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.